What should we do together? Oh, happy Mother's Day. Would, if you're a mother in this room, would you please just raise your hand? Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Yeah. And how about grandmothers? Would you raise your hand? Yes, yeah, special women, right? I've been a grandmother for two and a half years, and I have to admit, it was hard to get those words out of my mouth at first. When they were, when they were expecting, I was like, I'm going to be a, a, a grandma. You know, it was like, oh my goodness, I'm stepping into this phase of life, and it's a little, like, shocking, isn't it? But boy, I embrace it now. Two and a half years and two little boys, and God is very good. And now there's some great grandmas in the room as well. Would you raise your hands? Yeah. And there's, I know there's great, great grandma somewhere. There you are. Is there any other more? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just want to honor all women who, all women are mothers in some way or another. You may not genetically be a mother or a grandmother, but you are impacting lives. And mothers were God's idea. So women, I want you to embrace who God made you to be and realize that your prayers and your relationships are impacting a generation of men and women after you. And that is a valuable and powerful gift that you bring to our world. So blessings to all women because all of us are mothering in some way um, today and always. I also agree with Carol and want to bless special blessings on, on single mothers because, um, wow, that's a hard job, but it's when we realize that the Lord is our husband in those situations and you're never alone in what you're doing, um, there's a special blessing and a special grace on those women. So uh, Carol mentioned that we've known each other for a long time and I have uh, had high respect for this church and I'm so honored to be here. Thank you to Pastor Carol and Pastor Zach for the invitation to come and to speak here. I consider it a high honor to be here on this platform and speaking to you this morning. And I, I'm grateful for the, for the opportunity. As she told you, I w I've been a pastor in the Twin City area for, our, for almost 30 years, which it's amazing. You can be 39 and be a pastor for 30 years. It's just been half, it just happened. But it, the Lord has done so much in our lives and we're very grateful. And I wanna encourage you, if you haven't been to the Alpha Course, it, I was a pastor when I first went through the Alpha Course, and it was life-changing for me. Um, how many have you have taken the Alpha Course? So a lot of you know, but it is a life-changing course. So I encourage you to, to step out and to do that. And, and what, what we learn is how to operate in the fullness of what God has done for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the sacrifice of Jesus, it just becomes very real in a way. And I grew up in the church. Um, but very real in a, in a fresh way for, for all of us. So I encourage you. But today I want to talk about prayer. And you know, the disciples walked with Jesus. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Every day of your life to walk with Jesus. And what they must have seen. The miracles, the healings. You know, blind eyes saw. People who were paralyzed got up and walked. People who were dead got up and walked. Food, water became wine. 
you know, loaves and fishes were multiplied. They just saw these things. It was everyday life for them. And as they watched Jesus, you know, I love hearing about the disciples and reading about the disciples because it makes me feel better because sometimes they were kind of slow on the uptake, right? It took them a while, but they figured things out eventually. And isn't that how we all are? At least that's how I am. What they saw when they watched Jesus and watched these miraculous things is that prayer had something to do with it. That before Jesus did all these miracles, he tended to go and to pray, to be by himself and to pray. And so they're realizing, we want to walk in more of what we're seeing you walk in, Jesus. So, Jesus, would you teach us to pray, was their request. And what Jesus did then is what, is what our verse is today is from Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who, who have, as we forgive those, our, our debtors, those who have sinned against us, those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Many of us have memorized that prayer and know that prayer. But what Jesus was teaching them there is how to pray. It's not the Lord's prayer as much as that's what we call it. But Jesus knew how to pray. This is the disciples' prayer. If you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, this is a way to pray that you are very wise to embrace. And what Jesus taught them is very interesting because it's not a way to beg God to please provide for me. It's a way to line ourselves up with the truth of who God is and what he's done for us. If you've got your Bibles, you can look at the verse 8, but I'll, I'll read it to you. It's just right before the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus had just finished saying, well, don't pray like the heathens do. <laughs> if you want to learn to pray, don't do it like the heathens do, where they just repeat words over and over and over again. Pray like this. And he said, don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So this isn't about saying, okay, God, I've got all these needs would you please meet my needs? And begging that God who's off somewhere far away to please care for us. This is about reminding ourselves who he is and what he's done for us and that he's a good father. It's not about asking heaven because all that has been done for us. We just celebrated Easter. That work is finished. Father God sacrificed his son. Jesus gave his life willfully for us. The Holy Spirit powerfully raised him from the dead and now is released and is available to all of us. All that has been done, that is a generous, loving act of a generous and loving Father God. But what this Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray is how to remember all that. If you imagine all of that is available to us from heaven. It's like a huge pipe give, bringing us this wonderful blessings from heaven. It's available to us. But through daily life, that pipe can get a little bit kinked and a little bit bent so that the flow of blessings from heaven 
trickle in a little bit because we don't remember who he is and we think that we've got to beg him and we think that we are alone and we think that we have no power in this life. But Jesus says, no, I want you to remind yourself, line yourself up with this truth of heaven. Straighten up this pipeline of blessing from heaven by knowing who God is and remembering how good he is and then allow that to flow into your life. That is the secret of living a powerful life like Jesus did when he walked this earth. I'm not saying that you or I are the son of God, certainly not, but he said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, now you go and make disciples. You walk in this authority. How do we do that? The Lord's prayer is essential in our walk. And so he said, pray like this. And it's our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we think about these things, we are getting heaven's perspective on some of those difficult areas of our lives. What is the most difficult thing going on in your life right now? What is the most difficult, challenging thing that is surrounding you in this world? He's asking you to get heaven's perspective on this. Because heaven's perspective is different than what we see in day-to-day -day life. And what you focus on, you make more room for in your life. That's just a spiritual truth. So Jesus is saying, get your eyes off the ugliness of the world, the challenges of the world. Look at heaven and ask heaven where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, right? Ask him to show you how heaven sees this situation. Usually God isn't as concerned about things as we are. Or he has an answer we've never thought of. So getting heaven's perspective can be a bit like Yogi Berra. I want to give you an illustration with Yogi Berra. How many of you remember who Yogi Berra is? Quite a colorful personality, right? He was a catcher, a professional catcher, and, and he, had, he was just always being interviewed and saying things that were kind of ridiculous, and everybody laughed, and he, he was colorful. He said things like, it's deja vu all over again. Well, that, it's like, what, what does that mean, <laughs> you know? Or... Um, the future ain't what it used to be. It's never been what it used to be. You know, you kind of, oh. Um, you should always go to other people's funerals. Otherwise, they won't come to yours. <laughs> or a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. You kind of go, what? You know, but he was just that kind of a colorful personality. And, and he retired from baseball, which was kind of a sad thing for baseball. And he was, I don't remember how many years he was retired, but he, was, he came out of retirement to do some coaching, which everybody was excited about. And there was a young man who was a new reporter for Sports Illustrated. And he got the assignment of covering Yogi Berra coming out of retirement. So he's thrilled to death. This is going to make his career, right? It's going to get him going. And he goes and he interviews Yogi Berra, and he's pretty friendly, you know, nice guy saying some of this kind of funny stuff. And, and then he went to get his picture, and Yogi didn't want his picture taken. And so what he found was every time that the, the photographer, I'm not sure if it was the photographer or if it was the reporter, but they were taking his picture, Yogi just literally turned his back on them. He would not allow his picture to be taken unless it was his back. 
And so this, this reporter got a great interview, but all kinds of pictures of Yogi Berra's back. And he was like, oh, man, you know, this was my opportunity, and I blew it. He went back to Sports Illustrated and gave him what he had. But there was a brilliant editor who saw a different perspective on this, and this is what came out. Yogi's back. <laughs> Same picture, different perspective. And so when we pray, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we know that there is no sickness, there is no pain, there is no brokenness, there is no abuse. All those things are not happening in heaven. So our role is to agree with heaven and ask heaven for a different perspective on what we see going on in our family, in our personal life, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our country, in our world. Our role as followers of Christ is to agree with heaven and pray for that to be the truth here on earth. It's a different perspective. And so that's how Jesus says, this is how you start out, you guys. If, this is how, if you want to have an amazing life, if you want to walk like Jesus, you have to get heaven's perspective first, remembering who your Father God is. And then the next part of the prayer is, and give us this day our daily bread. And most certainly, that is what we will eat and drink during the day. It's our food, it's the nourishment for our bodies, but it's so much more. It is where our provision will come from. Because God is not going to leave us alone. He is a good father. Scripture tells us that if we ask for a, a bread, a good father is not going to give a stone, and he's better than any father on earth. He is a good father. He's for us. He's given everything for us. But we need to thank him for that provision. Because what Gary and I have figured out and it's 35 years, going on 36 years of marriage. How did that happen, you know? Wow, that's a long time to be married. And in that, in that 36 years together, we have had times of plenty and we've had times of lack. And it's real easy to thank God for the provision in times of plenty. But in those times of lack, where we're not sure how we're going to get those bills paid, or we're not going to sure, be sure how we're going to pay the, our children's tuition, or we're not sure how we're... We're going to care for my elderly parents' care. We're not sure how these things are going to be provided for. What we have learned is, even when we don't understand how God's going to do it, we can trust that God will provide for us. And we have learned that thanking him, even when we don't understand how it's going to be coming, we thank him when it comes, absolutely. But we thank him how he's, that he's going to provide even before we know how he's going to provide. Thankfulness is the secret ingredient to the Christian life. It really is. It puts your perspective back on the God who is faithful to provide, to care, and to protect. It's like the secret ingredient in Kentucky Fried Chicken. Do you guys know what the secret ingredient is? For many years, KFC had these 21 secret, secret ingredients, but they, no one ever said what it was. And they were locked up, and everybody was sworn to secrecy, and it was a family secret. But a few years ago, somebody let out the secret. And you can even go online and get the secret recipe now. And the secret ingredient in Kentucky Fried Chicken is white pepper. Seriously, 
White pepper. What's so great about white pepper? Apparently, there's something unique in the taste of white pepper and something almost addicting in it. It just makes people hungry for more. But it's like that. There's something almost addicting to being thankful and knowing God has got you, knowing God will provide for you and protect you, thanking him whether or not you know how it's going to happen. So Jesus said, do this. Thank God. Give us this day our daily bread. And then forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us, who trespass against us. I don't know about you, but there have been some hard things that I have experienced in life. People who have betrayed, people who have harmed. And it's really hard sometimes to forgive them because I have this knot in my gut when I remember what they did or I think about what they did. I don't even want harm on them. It's just like, oh, that feeling. Do you know that feeling? That knot. Corey Tenboom knew about that feeling. If you don't know who Corey was, she was an amazing woman of God who has been gone for, I think, about 10 years now. But she and her family, she was a child when Nazi Germany was going on. And she and her family were Dutch, and they lived in Holland, but they understood that what was happening in Germany was not of God. And they helped to smuggle Jews out of Nazi Germany to freedom. And they saved hundreds and hundreds of people. But eventually, they were found out, and the whole family was put into a concentration camp. And while in the concentration camp, they experienced horrific abuse, misuse, torture, starvation, horrible things, and not all of them made it out, but Corey did. And she then maintained her faith in God, that God is bigger than anything that has come against her. And so she had a ministry where she went around the world, literally around the world, and she talked about the power of forgiveness in the Christian life. But one day she was speaking in Germany and she was in a church about this size and as she finished she was going to do ministry time and pray for people and up the center aisle came a face she recognized. And as this man came up to her, he said, Corey, I can tell by the look on your face that you know who I am. That feeling was in her gut, that knot. She said, I know who you are. It was a guard from the concentration camp who had abused she and her family. And he said, I know that what I did was horrible. The Lord, I have found the Lord, I've met the Lord, and he has forgiven me. And it took a long time, but Corey, I have forgiven myself for what I did. And now I have come here, and I'm asking that you will forgive me. And she looked at him and she said, I will never forgive you for what you did. And then he said, I, I understand, and I know that it's hard, but I'll be coming back. I, I'm going to leave, but I'll come back. I'll come back. I can't remember if it's one or two weeks, but he, I will come back. And uh, he went away. And there she is. She's like devastated by the truth that she was not able to forgive someone. The woman who has a ministry all over the world telling Christians how the power of forgiveness is so powerful in your life, just you need to forgive, and she couldn't do it. So she found her way to her pastor and her pastor 
sat down with her, and she said, what do I do? I cannot forgive this man. He said, Corey, what the Lord is asking you to do is give that person to you. Never to say what he did was okay. That was horrendous. Never to endorse what he did or say that what happened was not horrible, but to let that person deal with the Lord as his judge, not you. Because when you have unforgiveness, you are poisoning yourself. You are not poisoning the person who abused or hurt or lied or betrayed. You're not harming them. You're harming yourself. He said, think of it this way, Corey. See the bell tower. They had a church had a bell tower. And there's a rope that hangs down in the bell tower. And when we pull on that bell, that rope, the bell clangs. He said, I want you to think about that unforgiveness, that knot in your stomach as a clanging bell. That when you pull on that rope, when you remember what happened, and when you think about that person and what they did, that you, the bell clangs inside of you. He said, all the Lord is asking you to do is let go of the rope. Eventually, if you no longer pull on that rope, that bell will be silenced, and it will stop causing you angst. He said, all the Lord is asking you to do is let go of it. She said, I can do that. And so when he returned, she was able to forgive him. She was able to let go of the rope. So that is what the Lord is asking of us, is to let go of those things that harmed us in life because we're poisoning ourselves, not the one who hurt us. And Jesus knew that was essential to us walking our Christian life with power and with authority and with blessing. And then he said, and pray like this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Evil is a very real thing in this world. You don't have to work very hard to see the evil. But Jesus said, deliver us from evil. Because not everything that is spiritual is good. Not everything that is spiritual is God. But we do walk in that authority that Jesus walked in. And our second verse for today is from Luke 4, verse 16 to 20, where Jesus came into his boyhood home, which is Nazareth, where he was raised. He went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood and he read the scriptures, and the scroll of Isaiah was handed to him, and he unrolled it and found the place where the prophecy of Isaiah was spoken out regarding the Messiah. See, 400 years prior, the prophet Isaiah had talked about what it's going to be like when the Messiah comes. And the people of God were waiting for that Messiah to come. So Jesus stood and read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that time of the Lord's favor has come. He then rolled the scroll up, handed it back to the attendant, sat down. Everyone was watching him, and he said, The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled today in your hearing. What he said is, That Messiah is me. That is a radical statement, a powerful truth that we need to understand. Because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, we have authority against evil, against these things that oppress people, against sickness, against death. 
We have spiritual authority that is given to us by Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth is given to him. And he said, now you go and make disciples. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. We just celebrated Easter. The resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available to each and every one of us. And I'm going to ask you to repeat with me that phrase, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Would you say that with me? The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Now let's say it again with conviction. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Amen. And because of that Spirit on you, you and I have the authority to bring the light of heaven in a way that no one else on earth can bring. We can agree with heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we can make an eternal difference. We can change the world for generations to come. You and I, we may seem like ordinary people, regular ordinary people, and we are unless Jesus is with us. But when the power of God is on us, we are more than enough to impact lives, to impact our family, our neighborhood, our workplace, our community, our city, our world. Jesus died for you. He cares about you, everything in your life. He hears your prayers, and he has taught us how to pray. The Spirit of the Lord is on you and is on me. God has made available to each and every one of us the ability to change history. Would you stand with me? And if you're comfortable, would you hold the hand of someone close to you? And we are going to repeat together. We're going to pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord God, I thank you so much for these people of God. Thank you, Lord, 